The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Sox Machine Live. I am Josh Nelson alongside Jim Margulis as we are streaming live on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Sox Machine this fine Thursday night, May 19th. It is a beautiful night in the city of Chicago. So for those that are watching on their computers, tablets, and smartphones, thank you guys so much for watching the live stream. If you are listening to the audio version of this in the Sox Machine podcast, thank you guys so much for listening as we will be recapping the White Sox five games in four days at Kauffman Stadium as they won three out of five. However, even though they did win that series, there are some major questions about the White Sox offense that we will address the White Sox now head to the Bronx to face the New York Yankees, and we'll see if they can do better than they did last year where they got swept by the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Can the White Sox win a game there? And uh, how will Johnny Cueto fare in his second start? We'll chat about that later in the show. But first, Jim, uh, you made a visit to Birmingham. So tell us all about your trip to, to Birmingham this week to see the Barons. Yes, with a uh, now that I have a five-month-old, it's harder to get away for a week or so. So the Barons happen to have a midweek night game followed by a day game, so I could just stay overnight, catch a couple games, see the entire lineup, then head back without uh, causing too much uh, uh, stress at home. So uh, good news is that I saw I went there to uh, look at Lenin Sosa, who's uh, or sorry, Lenin Sosa. I, I, I've been pronouncing his name wrong the entire time, Lenin Sosa. Uh, and wanted to get a look at him because his numbers are great. Sure enough, first game uh, there, he hits two homers. Second game, uh, lines a single, has a 13-game hitting streak. So I saw what I wanted to see and what he'd been showing the entire season in person and got to talk to him a little bit, got to talk to uh, Justin Jershley, the manager at Birmingham, Charlie Romero, the hitting coach, even ran into Chris Getz on the concourse at Regents Field. So I got the chance to talk to him a little bit about Sosa. So I'm, I'm working on a story about him. Uh, you know, Jose, Jose Rodriguez, I got to see a little bit of the good and the bad, um, you know, running well, uh, you know, active on the base paths, um, still looks a little bit like trying to do too much. Uh, Romero said he was pull happy thinking about just 
trying to get lift and power and make a difference and, and not quite letting the game come to him. Um, bad news is that the pitching is pretty much barren. Uh, not B-A-R-R-E-N, not B-A-R-O-N, although they're kind of similar right now. They're kind of, um, yeah, basically the same. Uh, Sean Burke, you know, he looks like he has potential, but I didn't get to see him. But the starters mm-hmm. there with Davis Martin being called up and not a whole lot. Coming up besides Burke from Winston-Salem, not a lot of pitching. Saw them give up 23 hits in the uh, day game, uh, blew a lead late in the night game. So it's rough on the pitching side, but the offense could be something, especially if Sosa has to hang around because of the infield logjam above. That seems to be the theme this year for the White Sox minor league affiliates. And for those that want to catch up on the White Sox minor league affiliates, again, visit dailysoxmachine.com slash future socks as Mike Rankin, James Fox, and the entire future Sox crew. They do a terrific job following the White Sox minor league, minor leaguers and the affiliates and, and how they are doing with the minor league notes. So definitely check that out. And again, as always, follow them on Twitter at Future Sox and also listen to the Future Sox podcast every Tuesday and subscribe to their podcast. But that just seems to be the theme this year for the White Sox minor leaguers is that we're seeing impressive offensive performances, but the pitching is lacking. Like the White Sox are just, they don't have enough arms right now to really cover adequately all four affiliates. You have some good performances here and there, but the overall depth is just not there on the pitching front for the White Sox. Yeah, it, it was funny when I was originally planning this trip and looking like a, a week out, I thought, oh, Davis Martin would be a good subject. Not a lot of people know about him. He's off to an mm-hmm. interesting start in Birmingham. And the White Sox pitching depth is such that not only was he promoted to Charlotte, but he ended up making a spot start in Chicago as well. So, I mean, he deserved it. He's been looking good. He's been uh, you know, pitching as well as he can in Birmingham and Charlotte so far. So, you know, not a knock on him, but just more a matter of like, uh, anybody who looks interesting right now, <laughs> intriguing, uh, promising it, on the pitching side, we'll be getting a look whether it's a bullpen or rotation. Yes, the dart. We'll talk about the dart later in the show. The first impression that he provided along with Johnny Cueto in the series recap against Kansas City. But the Chicago White Sox are 19 and 19. So they're still at 500 after this series against the Yankees. Our next episode of the Sox Machine podcast for you guys on Monday will be the first quarter of the season over as the White Sox will reach game 41 of the 162 game season. And right now the White Sox are three games back of the Minnesota twins. So the White Sox have a very difficult series coming up against the Yankees. We'll talk more about that later in this episode. The twins get to visit Kansas city. So while the White Sox have a very difficult weekend, the twins could have a pretty easy weekend and they got an opportunity here to pad their lead in the American league central. And after Wednesday night, Jim, I got frustrated with the White Sox. I hosted a Twitter space and I vented. Because, <laughs> you were derelict on the recap because you had to vent. Yes, because the White Sox at the time were 6-12 and 12 against the American League Central. And that's the biggest problem I have with the way that the White Sox have started this 2022 season. Half of the games at this point have been against the American League Central. And if I told you that at the beginning part of the season, mm-hmm. we would say the White Sox are going to have a strong start. They're going to have a strong start because they should do well against the Central. They were 44 and 32 last year against the Central. That is a 579 winning percentage. 19 division games. If the White Sox played at the winning percentage rate of last year, they would be 11 and 8 against the Central 
instead of seven and 12. We should be talking, as far as meeting my expectations for the White Sox, a 23 and 15 White Sox team, Jim, mm-hmm. not a 19 and 19 White Sox team. I guess the silver lining is if you look at the expected win loss record, the White Sox in 2022 are overachieving. Their expected win loss record is 16 and 22 because their run differential is negative 27. So even though they're playing below my expectations, they're overachieving their actual performance. So after last night, I woke up this morning and I decided there's a lot of negativity. It's easy to be negative about this White Sox team right now, especially with the offense. They are sputtering. So I was looking for some optimism. Where can I find that to convince me that there's still hope in this season for the White Sox to turn it around? And I found it from the computers, which is usually not a place that I find such optimism. And I looked at the projection models Mm -hmm. and starting with baseball perspectives for those listening to the podcast feed, baseball perspectives is still the highest on the White Sox. Dakota is still projecting the White Sox to win the American League Central with an 89 and 73 win loss record. At this moment, Jim, I would take that. Yes, I predicted the White Sox to finish 93 and 69. I think you had them at 92 and 70. I've lost all hope that they're going to reach those win totals. But if they could get to 89 and 73, I'd be ecstatic. Fangraphs has the White Sox now at 84 and 78 a dead tie with Minnesota twins, which they are also projecting the twins now at 84 and 78 and baseball reference is the most dour out of the three. They have the white Sox not only finishing at 500 at 81 and 81, but they have the white Sox finishing projected third in the American league central as they believe Cleveland will finish ahead of the white Sox in 2022 after the first 38 games and how things have fared. And Looking at the playoff, or I should say the postseason odds, when I bring up fan graphs, this is what gives me optimism right now, Jim. This graph, for the people that are listening to the podcast, still has the White Sox over a 60% chance of reaching the postseason and still ahead of the Minnesota Twins. And Cleveland, Kansas City, and Detroit are still far back. And then I look at Dakota. And their bell graphs that they have. And they still have the graph a little bit ahead of the twins. As far as the simulated win percentage. As they do a thousand simulations for the rest of the 2022 season. More times than not. The White Sox come back and they win the American League Central. Over the Minnesota Twins. So while my heart and my brain and my gut watching this White Sox team after 38 games. And we had this conversation on Monday, taking a snapshot of the season and watching what transpired in Kansas city. I was dour. Like Mm -hmm. after Wednesday night, I had the mindset of how could you tell me this team is going to turn it around and make it to the postseason If they're six and 12 against the worst division in baseball, but trying to find optimism, I go to the computers and the projected models tell me, Josh, don't worry. We still have faith and we still think that the White Sox are going to turn it around. How are you feeling, Jim? And after displaying as far as that information from the projected models, 
does that inspire hope for you that, yeah, the White Sox, a, a turnaround is coming at some point? I definitely get it. Um, you know, when you look at 89, 73, even like our original projections of 92 and uh, 93 wins, like I can still see that happening because if it does happen, it'll be because of not terribly surprising reasons. Like Tim Anderson keeps it up. Luis Robert uh, looks like an MVP, maybe not an MVP season, but has like MVP runs in him over the course of the season. Yohan Makata summons his strength. Eloy Jimenez comes back. Jose Abreu looks decent. He doesn't need to be an MVP guy himself, but looks decent. AJ Pollock is a contributor. Like you look at the original lineup, it's all still there and they all can get in a, a place to where like, you know, one through seven, one through eight's pretty stout. Uh, then you have Lance Lynn coming back and, and, you know, you have, you know, whether it's Cueto, whether it's Velasquez, Martin, whoever else, you know, comes up to shore up the back end of the rotation, that should be fine. You know, given how hard it is for stars or, or teams to five find five starters. So I get it. Um, and, and that's why I'm not terribly dour right now. However, I will say that when it comes to like how the White Sox might blow it, this is how they might blow it. You know, having this kind of start against the central, letting the central in, getting swept by the twins, losing series to the guardians. Um, that's how they would, you know, that's how they would fumble it. So this is how it's starting. Also the white Sox do not have such a rich history of producing to where like you can trust them. You know, I, I still think it's, you know, trust, but verify. Maybe you don't even have to trust. Maybe it's, uh, do not trust, uh, force them to verify. Like just, that's what, you know, needs to be done. So like, I, I can see it both ways, but I don't blame the optimist for feeling good because, you know, baseball's fun and it should be, you know, like there's a lot of excitement coming in the year and you shouldn't have your summer ruined. You know, if you base your summer around baseball, you shouldn't have that ruined before Memorial Day for a team that's not out of it, that's treading water right now, but, you know, can still go on that kind of run that defines the team. Um, if you're pessimistic though, like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, Rick Hahn and, and Tony La Russa and, the White Sox front office, Jerry Reinsworth, et cetera, should be held accountable. Should they, you know, they, this is what they lost intentionally for multiple years for. This is what they wasted fans money for uh, was, you know, uh, putting, putting out crap teams on purpose was to have a kind of run that felt more, you know, solid and sturdier than this. So, you know, I, I think it's fair to be a little bit down and to make them prove that they're better than this because they aren't, aren't yet. So I'm not down, but it's it just, you know, well, I mean, first of all, I think I tend to have, I, I revert more to gallows humor than anger just because, um, you know, I think if I were to get angry about this to where my blood pressure were affected, I think I would have stopped writing around, you know, 2013, probably that's when I probably would have called it quits. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I just tend to shrug and, 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 you know, maybe some of the things I, I wrote about, you know, being troublesome or uh pain points came true and maybe i look smart and so i feel like uh you know i root for myself <laughs> in that regard but um yeah it, it just seems like you know it's not they're not dead yet uh but um you know they they still have to prove that they are more than a the best team of a bad bunch if they don't win the american league central if they lose by two or three games to the minnesota twins I think we could circle back to this point in time and say, well, if you didn't start seven and 12 against the American league central, you wouldn't have this problem that that's yeah. the hope that they did not dig themselves too big of a hole that they can't climb out of. 
Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, I think the White Sox will change enough in terms of their shape, their constitution of the roster and such to where they might have, you know, runs that turn the tables on the twins or maybe a different cluster of games that ruins the season, <laughs> maybe more like blown saves or, you know, no show. So, you know, right now they're not doing themselves any favors, but I think, you know, there's still enough that can change about the season. I mean, the twins also have their own personnel issues with injuries and, and guys who are fragile to where like, you know, the, the you know, getting beat by Byron Buxton early in the season might, you know, be memorable, might have left an impression, but will he be there the entire season? You know, they, 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 they have some guys get hot and cold, like Max Kepler can go on heaters and then he disappears. So uh, their pitching staff is a little bit raggedy right now. So, you know, they, they could have their own little uh, crises here and there to where, you know, they're having the same arguments among themselves. Yeah. The white Sox, they'll get this opportunity. If you want to look ahead, July, the White Sox have a homestand for one week, and then the next week before the All-Star break, they go on the road to Cleveland and Minnesota, and then the first series after the All-Star break, they're at home against Cleveland. That could be a really pivotal time for the White Sox if they could continue to tread water and they put themselves in a position to really make up some ground against those two division teams in particular in the Central that have given the White Sox fits to start the 2022 season. One team, I wouldn't say they gave the White Sox fits, but the Royals are always annoying. And the White Sox won three out of five in this series. And my takeaway, Jim, is that the White Sox should have won all five games. They only scored 18 runs in these five games. So again, not even reaching four runs per game. The two games that they lost, they scored one run and they scored two runs. Mm Mm-hmm. And in the fifth game, they scored a total of seven runs. And that was a good victory for them because they were down four to one early in that game. And I really did think just the way the offense had been playing. I mean, the previous three games, they only scored six runs. It's like going to the dentist and having teeth pulled watching this White Sox offense at times. The Royals have scored four. The White Sox are in boiling water. And thankfully, the offense turned around. Big parts because of Tim Anderson and Luis Robert. And it just seems like in this series, Jim, Tim Anderson, especially after the the first loss against the Royals, I would say Wednesday and Thursday, after Ozzie Guillen kind of called him out for not playing both games of the doubleheader, Tim Anderson elevated his game. And mm-hmm. it just seemed to me that he was trying to will and lead this White Sox team to victory. And he was, he's been really impressive these last few games in all facets, not just his bat, but his defense as well. Yeah, it's kind of funny. He proved both Tony Larusa and Isaac incorrect, which is uh, hard to do given the disparity between like their opinions and how they go about it. But like, you know, Anderson proved that when he's in the lineup, he makes a huge difference. Uh, he also proved his value to the team to where like, you know, you may want to make sure he's there over the course of six months and he doesn't disappear for a, a four week chunk in the middle of the season to where like, especially when the rest of the offense is not getting it going. So you understand why the White Sox are trying to pace him. And especially when he plays with the kind of energy that he did on, on uh, today, uh, you know, drawing walks, stealing bases, like he's got some nice separate, you know, first of all, he's hitting 348, I think. And he's got mm-hmm. some nice separation now between his OBP and his average. Like usually like, you know, his, his OBP outpaces his average by like 30 points. And so you need every, you know, every one of his uh, bloop singles and, and, and infield hits and so forth to, you know, have that kind of leadoff impact. But now he's, you know, he's got 50 point separation in there. You know, 
coming up on that, which is nice, especially when it comes you know to an offense that Cantrell walks. And you know, I missed the Brady Singer game. That's when I was in Birmingham for that one. I saw the, the box score and I laughed. You know, just like you know, just any right-hander, you know, coming up for an emergency start can can do it. And so, like when Carlos Hernandez started for the uh for the finale and you look at his numbers and he's got more walks and strikeouts. And he's got a nine 11 ERA. Uh, it, it almost felt like over the course of the series, like they started with Brad Keller and they ended with Carlos Hernandez. Like they, they kept the bar high and then they kept lowering it. And like the white Sox still weren't hitting. So like, okay, we're going to drop the degree of difficulty down to Carlos Hernandez. Please, you know, it's like the road saying, please, please hit him. Please do something. This is like, you know, uh, the way I put the recap was like a remedial course in building an inning, just, you know, taking pitches, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they just cannot string together sequences and, and failing that they cannot come up with extra base hits to create instant offense. So they're, you know, they can't do it the long way. They can't do it the short way. So, you know, Hernandez is here with gifts to, you know, allow them to have four or five productive at bats in a row and it looks shaky early, but eventually they figured out and drew five walks over three innings and, you know, they only scratched together three runs, but they kept the pressure on even when the bullpen came in. And that was nice to see, but they really need more of that. And I think, you know, Anderson's important, but then you see Luis Robert finally coming through with the, with the home run. Like, you know, they had 12 singles in a row before that Homer and, you know, there's just, you know, the offense looks so even like when they're going first to third, which is normally an exciting fluid baseball play that says like, Oh, this is, you, you can't keep them contained at 90 feet at a time. It still feels like station to station because that last 90 feet is so hard for them. So to, you know, have that, you know, Robert coming through with that Homer, that no doubter that, you know, just kind of staring it down out of the box, very cathartic Homer. Uh, yeah. I, I still think that the, the combo of them, Anderson, and Robert, you know, the, the on base percentage, the, just the, the constant stream of offense and activity from Anderson, and then that extra base potential from Robert, I think, you know, they're what's necessary for the White Sox to move. And unfortunately, you know, Robert's still learning how to, you know, fend off how pitchers are attacking him. So he he disappears for games at a time, sometimes just getting out of sorts. And Anderson, you know, sometimes has impatient games that contribute to that, uh, you know, zero or one walk game across the lineup. So there are sometimes I think, you know, the White Sox are lucky to have both of them, but when they're the ones driving the offense and Yohan Mankata, you know, disappears for basically an entire series and, you know, AJ Pollock isn't quite, you know, providing that kind of impact towards the top of the lineup and Andrew Vaughn's, you know, still not quite looking like the same as he was before uh, the hit by pitch to where like, I, I think you're seeing some of the problem with having so much of the offense riding on them is that, you know, they can be pitched to, or at least you know, Anderson really can't, but you know, he's limited to singles, basically you know, the way his approach goes. If you limit him to singles, it's still a long way around the, the, the diamond for him based on who's coming up behind him and how they're hitting. Uh, so they're fine to, you know, just give up an opposite field single and then make somebody else do it. And right now, you know, seeing Robert come through that Homer was very refreshing, but now the pitching gets tougher. It's no longer Carlos Hernandez and the, uh, you know, the, inconsistent Kansas city bullpen. It's now the Yankees with a, you know, one of the better run prevention units in the league. Well, Robert had two big home runs in this series. He won game one of the 10th inning with that two run Homer with two outs. That would have been another headache. If, if he doesn't hit that Homer because Tim Anderson, Yohan Makata could not move the runner from second base. Uh, so that was a big home run for Luis Robert in game one. And then he has the big home run, to really blow the game wide open for the White Sox in game five in over the four days. 
And as you mentioned for Tim Anderson, he's technically hitting 346 now, Ooh, but he's got a 386 on base percentage and he's slugging 493. So Tim Anderson's got an 879 OPS. That is incredible. Luis Robert is back over 8 800 OPS. He's at 810. He's hitting 301 with a 338 on base percentage, slugging 472. I feel like Luis Robert is in midseason form with that slash line gem as he leads the team with six home runs. Andrew Vaughn has a 792 OPS, but as you mentioned, he's not hitting the ball as well since coming off the IL. And for the players that are with the Chicago White Sox right now, that's it. Those are your three hitters that have an OPS above 700. Everyone is well, well below 700. We brought this up on Monday Sox Machine Podcast. We're going to bring it up again. Everyone is way below 700 OPS. There's, I don't, I'm looking on the list. There's not even guys above 650. Uh, yeah, I'm looking Jose at me. At, <laughs> Jose Bray's at 625. Gavin Sheets is at 614. <laughs> Remember, we talked about Sheets that he was just one point below 700. He was at 699 on Monday. Now he's down to 614. I'm not exactly sure what he's bringing to the White Sox lineup at the moment. Yeah, uh, like I'm, I'm looking at May. I thought May might be better, but no, it's Robert at 950, Anderson at 898, and then Angle at 690. Yeah. Leary yeah. is fourth at 668. Yeah, Leary's been hitting the ball better in the month of May, but... This White Sox offense. So no back walks to and the, 10 strikeouts, though, for, for Garcia. I thought Pollock was, you know, cool. I guess Pollock's resurgence is a bit uh, more recent, but he's at 579. Yeah, it's just this White Sox offense. So back to the optimism and the projection models. I'm assuming the projection models think that this White Sox offense is going to get better and they're going to start averaging around 4.3 to 4.4 runs per game. Now, honestly, that's not a lot of runs per game for a team as talented as the White Sox. But if they could hit that total, Jim, with the pitching that we have seen, especially in the starting front for the White Sox, that's going to be good enough. We're, we're going to see a lot of tight games, but if they could start winning more like five to three games, that'd be great instead mm-hmm. of these three to two types of ball games that just really add a lot of stress and tax the pitching rotation but all eyes are on this White Sox offense. We're, we're still waiting. Like in game five today, they came back and they came back in large part because Tim Anderson and Luis Robert are awesome. We're still waiting for Jose Abreu, who had a decent series against Kansas City. We are still waiting for Abreu now to start hitting for power. He's got three home runs on the season. Like mm-hmm. Jose Abreu is not even on pace to hit 20 homers this year. Same thing with Yasmani Grandal. And AJ Pollock might be a dead cat. Like he might be this year's Adam Eaton, the way that he's currently playing. The veterans need to really pick it up. Anderson and Robert proved today that they could carry the White Sox offense and lead them to victory. And they have been doing that pretty much all season long. But the reason why the White Sox are at 500 is because this is an offense that's averaging three and a half runs per game. And All we are asking is to get that offense to increase it by one more run per game, get it to four and a half runs. If they can do that, then I think we're to see a lot more wins pile up, especially against American League Central opponents. Because to the next topic, I want to chat with you about the starting pitching. 
And this was a surprise. I was not expecting Johnny Cueto to throw as well as he did, even though it is the Kansas City Royals, because his appearances with the Charlotte Knights were either hit or miss. And uh, the dart, Davis Martin, uh, having one heck of a first impression and, and battling Brady Sander and doing all he could to keep the White Sox in that game. We're going to see Cueto again as Davis Martin was optioned back to Charlotte. So let's talk about Johnny Cueto, Jim. Uh, from what you saw in his start against the White Sox, is this sustainable? Is this something that he could help with being the fifth or maybe even the sixth starter in this rotation? I guess we'll find out. That's a boring answer. But when it came to, I'll, I'll, I'll say that, you know, not just speak to hedge bets, just watching him, the way he executed was excellent. Like there was no fluke about his six scoreless innings. Like with Davis Martin, some of the, uh, the hard hit balls that he, he uh, you know, endured and such, and maybe the park helped him out a little bit. Um, that's a case where he got a little bit lucky, but you know, that's fine. You know, it's a major league debut. Don't get too greedy, but Cueto was executing, especially the first three innings. He was hitting his spots. The fastball was riding like two seamer, four seamer, both had movement. He was hitting, you know, all four corners of the zone to lefties and righties and, 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 and locking them up and, and jamming them. Next three innings was, you know, a little more misses in front of the plate, like a, a lot of sliders over the zone that the, the you know, maybe the Royals maybe being under talented or maybe just on guard for the fastball just didn't quite capitalize on those, you know, more of those rolling breaking balls. So he got a little bit lucky in the second half of that start, but uh, the execution for the first three innings, that was, you know, hard to top. And I think like if you're facing the Yankees in that mode, Maybe they might make him work a little harder, you know, more foul balls, you know, maybe th make him throw more pitches in the sequence to get a mistake, but they weren't going to damage him based on how he looked. So from here, it's a matter of, you know, can he do it again? Can he have that kind of three innings again? Um, if he can, can he extend it better into the fourth and fifth innings? Is it an endurance thing or is it just more of a matter of like when he's feeling fresh, he's great. When he gets a little bit of fatigue sets in, he's uh, pedestrian, you know, that, that's the, uh, that's the kind of thing I'm looking at. I mean, going from the Royals to the Yankees is a very, uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, there, there's a chasm between those two offenses to where like, I don't think, you know, should, should, I guess, expectations be met and he dominates the Royals and he gets shelled by the Yankees. I don't think you'll be able to judge him off either start. Like, like I guess you're going to need a tiebreaker for a third start just to understand what he is against a more normal offense. I think that'd be the Red Sox, right? I think if, he, if they keep the rotation, they're a couple off days, so they might juggle a little bit. It's either the Red Sox or the Cubs will be facing next, so the Cubs might not uh, teach them anything either. But uh, yeah, when it comes to an average offense, I think we'll have a better idea of just exactly what he can do. But it was encouraging. It was, it was better than he looked at any point in Charlotte, although he had some moments in Charlotte, and it did lend some credibility to the idea that he knew his job was secure as long as he stayed healthy. And it's just about getting working and building up and proving that he could handle a major league workload. Yeah. That two seam fastball, especially attacking hitters in the upper part of the zone. That was impressive watching Johnny Cueto and hopefully he can still dot that corner against the Yankees hitters. They may be looking for that pitch, however. So we'll see if he can use his timing and his little shimmy to throw off the Yankees hitters. You got to throw strikes though, because again, we found out, this past weekend in Chicago, the Yankees hitters have no problem taking their walks. So as long as Cueto is still throwing strikes and he's able to live in the zone somewhat and avoid hard contact, he should be fine against the New York Yankees. Uh, Davis Martin, 
someone that White Sox fans did not know a lot about or didn't know who this guy was at all before he pitches for the White Sox. First two innings, he was in the danger zone a little bit. He was getting ahead of hitters, but he didn't have a wipeout pitch. But then in the third, after the third inning, he was racking up the strikeouts against the Kansas City Royals hitters. And uh, I love the nickname, The Dart. I I know you weren't part of the live stream, Jim, but we were trying to come up with nicknames for Davis Martin. Mm -hmm. And we got a lot of like Davey, Marty, you know, typical baseball nicknames. And then someone suggested in the comment section, D-Mart, like Kmart. And that was decent. And then someone's like, well, just drop the M and just call him the Dart. And then that stuck. We loved it. So I hope he likes it as well because it's going to stick. You can't give yourself your own nickname. So sorry, Davis. You are now Davis the Dart Martin. If, especially uh, if he hits his spots. Especially if he hits, hit his spots. He has a good pitching nickname. Out of the White Sox, seventh or eighth starting pitching options because we know that they're going to have double headers later in this season. Is he ahead of Jimmy Lambert now? Like, are we going to see Davis Martin again this season, Jim? I think so. Lambert was on the uh, injured list. The uh, Jeff Cohen, our, our future Sox correspondent at Charlotte, said it was a, a shoulder stiffness, and he came back through an inning, walked to, um, you know, I think he threw eight of 17 pitches for strikes. So he is uh, not really in command of anything and still not throwing multiple innings. So Lambert, I think has to prove that he can go probably five in Charlotte before he factors into any plan. Mm-hmm. So I think as long as Martin stays healthy and looks anything close to like he has been in Birmingham and Charlotte so far that, yeah, he would be the guy uh, I, I sped watch like his pitches. So I didn't really get an idea of like rhythm and sequencing. So um, when it came to like how he looked, how would he, you know we talked i talked about like how cueto would fare against you know the yankees and 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 you know where like the danger might lie like say for martin facing a better offense like how did he look or how yeah i guess how would you project his performance in his debut against a a better offense so if he was facing the yankees i think the slider would run into some problems yeah at times his slider hunt up a little bit i, I think that would get crushed by a really good major league baseball team. So he's got to work on that, but the changeup was impressive. He would throw curveballs against lefties. That was something new. Like he threw a four pitch mix against Kansas city. So if he's working with Yasmani Grandal and let's say the slider gets hit early, he has other pitches that can fall back to. He, he's mm-hmm. not like Michael Kopech, for example, if Kopech loses the slider, all right, it gets easy, right? Fastball curve. <laughs> those are the only two pitches you got to worry about because Kopech doesn't have a changeup. but Davis Martin, he has a true four pitch mix. W- question I've got is the velocity was all over the place. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the TV gun was weird, but looking back at baseball savant, like he ranged from like 90 to 96. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was on purpose that he's, he has the ability at, this young age to be able to take speed off the fastball to give different looks of his four seamer. If he is doing that, that's pretty impressive. That's advanced what they call pitchability to be able to mix speeds with certain pitches. Yeah, it was funny. Like I I was talking to Kurt Bloom about him because I mentioned that uh, Kurt Bloom is the Birmingham radio broadcast. I think 31 years he's been in the booth. Like he's great guy and and a wealth of information. And I was talking to him and I said like, oh, it's a shame I missed Davis Martin because I was going to write about him. He said, yeah, Um, 
you know, given the lack of pitching in Birmingham, he really stood out, but also just what you mentioned, like he was surprised by how he added and subtracted from his fastball and found good velocity late or later in his starts, like with runners on from the stretch, like he could ramp it up when need be. And he could take off, uh, you know, conserve a little bit of it when it wasn't needed and, and, you know, seem to do it without getting damaged. So he did cite that, that he, uh, uh, could access uh, a couple ticks on his fastball when when threatened. I think Davis could hold his own against a team like Cleveland, mm-hmm. but an advanced lineup like the Yankees or if the Red Sox hit or like even the Houston Astros, it, it would be tough. I mean, it's tough for Dylan Cease and Lucas Gilito and Michael Kopech against yeah. those types of teams. I think that's where he would struggle. But I have to say, I know it's just one start. It's a first impression. I don't know how many more times we're going to see him start this season. But if I was another team in Major League Baseball, if I was a professional scout and I put in the tape, I would ask about Davis Martin in a future trade, especially if I was a team like the Cincinnati Reds that's looking to unload some more starting pitching. Just because I think he has the ability to be a back end of the starting rotation type of starting pitcher, which isn't, you know, glamorous by any stretch of the imagination. Dane Dunning-ish? But I think it is a bit Dane Dunning-ish. Yeah. Even though I still think, I I like Dane Dunning stuff better. Mm -hmm. And I I still believe Dane Dunning can be as good as a mid-rotation type of starter. Like someone as a number three starter in a rotation. I'm still pretty high on Dane Dunning. But I, I think Davis Martin, I agree with Tony LaRusso. LaRusso said after the game that Davis Martin is a major leaguer. And I agree with LaRusso. I think Davis Martin can be a major league starting pitcher. But when you look at the Chicago White Sox rotation, mm-hmm. uh, he's not better than Giolito, Cease, Kopech, or Lynn. And right now, I think the White Sox are just stick with the veterans in Keuchel and Cueto. But at least there's some hope or more hope that if the White Sox do have someone going on the injured list or they need someone to make a spot start, and if Davis is ready to go, I have some confidence in the dart to put the White Sox in a position to win a game. Yeah, or, you know, should, you know, assuming Keuchel hits free agency and Vince Velasquez does, like they could, you know, use a fifth starter next year. So, you know, he, he might have a hard time finding starts this year, but I mean, still he's building up his resume. The thing that would be unfortunate about trading him is that like you know we've watched other teams like the uh, the Guardians and the Dodgers and the Rays like find guys and like you know where did this guy come from third day draft pick you know now he's he's throwing 97th great secondary stuff or like how do you, you know, this cutter came out of nowhere or you know and and the White Sox have not had that story but here's that story like Martin was a low 90s guy he was you know maybe hit 94 at Texas Tech mm-hmm. and uh, now he's got, you know, now he's hitting 96. Now he's got some, you know, life on his fastball. He's channeling his spin better. So getting some ride on it, the, the changeup has improved. The slider he likes too. So he's got weapons against lefties and righties. He's actually better. Like, yeah, I would say like Lambert's, you know, one of the issues with him is that he does not have an answer for left-handed hitter. So they see him once and they get like, oh, I got the idea. And then like, he's lucky to get three innings. Whereas Martin likes his changeup enough to where like lefties have found him harder to hit in the minors like you know when he's done damage it's because of those rolling sliders and maybe misplaced Mm -hmm. fastballs when his fastball was you know low 90s versus mid 90s so you know there's a case here where this is that guy and this is that uh solution out of nowhere that can you know help you save some money and allocate to other spots so that's why you know 
I don't think he's unmovable, but I think, you know, I just wonder, given the recency of his success, will he command all that much in the market to where the White Sox are better keeping him to, you know, sell, you know be a potential solution for one of the uh, few holes they may have in the roster next year? Absolutely. I just, if I was a scout from another team, Jim, yeah. Oh, I yeah. would tell my bosses, we should keep an eye on this Davis Martin guy. He there, There may be something there that Chicago has, and if they're desperate and they're willing to move some prospects that might be a guy to, to ask about, you know, out of all the, the white Sox prospects, but we got a lot of questions in our YouTube comment section about is Davis Martin headed Jimmy Lambert in the pecking order. I, I think so, Jim, yeah. I think the next time the white Sox need a spot starter and they need to call someone up from Charlotte. I, I think it's Davis Martin. Yeah. Assuming you know on schedule, you know, on like schedule. A sudden, yeah where he didn't just pitch two days before, but yeah, I, I think he would be the guy, you know, they, they would make plans for him they might have to call up somebody for emergency use. But you know, if, if they had a plan around two or three starts, he would be, they would arrange the schedule accordingly because nobody else is really challenging him there. All right. So we're going to preview the Yankee series, but before we do that, a, uh, a quick PSA. So we, along with our friends from the 108, will be hosting a pregame party the hashtag 108 road trip to Minneapolis. We're going to be there July 15th. That's a Friday. We're going to be there Saturday, July 16th for that last series before the all-star break as the White Sox visit the Minnesota Twins. We have a pregame party that we are hosting at the North Loop Galley, and it's a great deal working with them and big thanks to that particular bar working with a bunch of White Sox fans. I can't tell you guys how difficult it has been trying to find a downtown Minneapolis bar to work with us, but they've been willing to work with us. Tickets are on sale right now on SoxMachine.com. Jim, I believe we've already sold 60 tickets on the very first day. Uh, It is limited capacity. 150 people fit in the bar. It's $30 per person and you get three beer tickets for that $30. So that covers your beer and that covers the space renting that out. Uh, as far as the bar at North Loop Galley, it is an eight-minute walk from the bar to Target Field. So it's very close to the stadium. We're really excited to see everyone. So if you are already planning to be in Minneapolis for that weekend, or you're a White Sox fan that lives in Minneapolis, get your tickets now on SoxMachine.com before they sell out. We're very confident they are going to sell out. It's just $30 and it starts at 1030 in the morning and goes into 1 p.m. right before first pitch at Target Field. So as we wrap up with the pregame party, we could all walk together and get to our seats before the first pitch of the White Sox versus the Minnesota Twins. So again, go to SoxMachine.com and buy your tickets now for the hashtag 1018 road trip Minneapolis pregame party at North Loop Galley. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, so the Chicago White Sox now head to the Bronx to face the New York Yankees. And we don't have to re- we don't have to tell you how good the Yankees are. Everybody knows how good the Yankees are. They did lose today as the Baltimore Orioles walked off the Yankees. So the Yankees finally have 10 losses on the season, Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, they finally got to double-digit losses. The thing about that series for the Yankees and Orioles is I am enjoying, I don't know if it's smack between the two, but it's definitely jabs at, People are jabbing at the Yankees because of the short porch at Yankee Stadium and how the Yankees are taking advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Then you watch games in Baltimore and you see that the Long left porch. field wall has been pushed back and it's caused significant problems on how Camden Yards works. And that walk-off home run just like rides the left field line into the only little section that did not get pushed back in left field. Uh, and Yankees fans are upset of the build a park. <laughs> type I, I of did things. like that line from Aaron Boone, the build your own park. <laughs> build your own park. It looks, you know what the, the pictures at Camden Yards, it looked weird. And I'm pretty sure Loy Jimenez is going to hurt himself <laughs> and fielding a fly ball to that wall. When the white Sox visit Baltimore, I don't know if he'll get there. Like I think his best catch ever was in PNC park because he can just run. He can run and he can run, he can run. He won't run into anything because he can't get there at full speed. So mm-hmm. that might be the kind of outfield for him where he can just run and frolic. You get a, I, I'm and, worried about that corner though, because it, it sticks back out into center field. Like I'm hoping I that's Robert see him territory. running to the wall. Hoping that's Robert territory. Well, I, I'm hoping Robert doesn't run into that corner, yeah. but it, it's just, it's just kind of funny and how that Yankees and, and Orioles series went down. And for the White Sox, the probable pitcher. So there's been some changes here that happened shortly after the Thursday night game. So on Friday night, 6.05 p.m. Central Time, it will be Dallas Keuchel starting the game against the Yankees. And already Yankees media are kind of dreading this game because the New York Yankees, for some odd reason, cannot figure out Dallas Keuchel. So hopefully that trend continues for the White Sox. 
Johnny Cueto was originally slated to start the Sunday night ESPN game, but now he's been bumped up. He will start the Saturday game because Michael Kopech is in paternity leave, uh, but the is the mother of his upcoming child has it still hasn't delivered the baby yet. Uh, so that's why he hasn't been with the White Sox. So the paternity leave may be extended. Right now, it is tentative that Michael Kopech will make that start on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. But if he cannot make that start, it will be Dylan Cease starting that game for the White Sox Sunday night. And if you do not want to watch the ESPN broadcast, or if you don't want to listen to the ESPN broadcast, we will be hosting a playback watch party with our friends from the 108s. Uh, for Sunday Night Baseball between the White Sox and the New York Yankees. That's going to start at 6 p.m. Central time. Uh, so hopefully Jim will be with us this time uh, yes. as we'll provide our commentary. I've asked playback if we could have the A-Rod broadcast. Uh, so it could be true mystery science theater 3000 type Jim where we could kind of make fun of Alex Rodriguez and his broadcast. But probably won't get that broadcast we'll just get the regular game broadcast but if you don't want to watch the espn sunday night broadcast release listen to that commentary you can join our watch party you can chat with us and listen to us for that sunday night broadcast and then we'll be back again tuesday night when the white Sox are at home against the boston red Sox, and the following tuesday as the white Sox travel up to the blue jays and again the watch parties are hosted on playback all right, Jim. So the last time the White Sox and Yankees faced each other was this past week at a guaranteed rate field. The Yankees won three out of four. I've got a bad feeling about this series. What can you tell good, me? Well, you I was going to say I have a feeling? good feeling. Well, I have a good feeling in that I'm happy the White Sox got to play the four game series at home. <laughs> like this game is okay. uh, this series is only three, and that makes me feel okay. How will the White Sox not get swept by the Yankees in the Bronx? Uh, maybe a little bit of short porch fun themselves. Um, well, I think Cueto could, you know, if he pitches like he did, that can help. Um, it also wouldn't hurt, you know, given the Yankees offense, like to have a blowout that helps them save an offense, you know, or save, sorry, save the bullpen for like, you know, the, the important outings. Like part of the problem with the White Sox is that they've, you know, the close games have been uh, both wins and losses. So there is always need for, Kendall Graveman, Matt Foster, et cetera. Like say if they, you know, Cueto gets roughed up or Keigel gets roughed up, like, you know, it might have a chance for Tony La Russa to leverage his best arms to, to eke out a win somewhere else. Like, you know, like he did with the Keigel start where Keigel went five, wanted to go six, but he had all his bullets in the chamber when it came to his bullpen and he used all of them and it worked out. Uh, I can see a similar thing unfolding here. I, I think the one I'm mo most interested in is, is Kopech because his velocity was down last time. Mm -hmm. His stuff looked really flat. And, you know, whether that's a dead arm thing, whether that's a, you know, health thing, maybe that's, you know, given, you know, I remember what the week before delivery was like, and that's maybe, you know, who knows, maybe that's affecting him. But uh, I'm curious how he comes back, what his velocity looks like, you know, the, the life on his stuff, whether that's back because, you know, we're talking about Davis Martin and we're talking about Cueto and we're talking about, you know, Lance Lynn, maybe coming back uh, in, in early June, um, you know, Kopech's condition and the, 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 the quality of his stuff could have something to say about that before uh, any names have to be removed from, you know, any, any names lose like the game of musical chairs. And if Dylan Cease is ready to go, because I think that's normal rest for him is Sunday. I almost feel like they should go with Cease Jim 
and then Kopech gets another day off, not just the Sunday, but also that Monday, the entire team has off. Mm -hmm. And then he could take the ball Tuesday against the Boston Red Sox. We love storylines. Would that be the first time Kopech starts a game against the Red Sox? I think he's faced the Red Sox in relief. But yeah, did think, he? I don't he, think oh, he, he may have. Yeah, the doubleheader, right? A seven-inning doubleheader against Boston. I'm looking it up right now. I think that may be the case. Yeah. Now, I'm, yeah, yeah. So he only has a three-inning start. Three-inning start. Yeah, and he was pretty dynamic in that start. Yeah. So he could face the team that drafted him on that Tuesday night against the Boston Red Sox, which the Boston Red Sox are showing some life finally, uh, especially offensively against the Houston Astros in this week's uh, series. So just thinking aloud that way, like I, I always prefer going that route. If Cease just stays on his normal schedule, then it's okay if Kopech can't go on Sunday. So even yeah. though we put up the graphic mm-hmm. saying that Kopech's the probable starter right now, that is the plan. But if Kopech can't go, the fallback plan is Dylan Cease, which is great. You could have mm-hmm. Kopech start on Tuesday and then you can go Giolito on Wednesday and then go down the list. Cueto, Thursday, day off. Keiko could start against the Cubs. And pretty yeah, soon you're going to have Lance seeing... Lynn. I was going to say you're going to have Lance Lynn making rehab starts soon. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Cease get an extra day, though. It seems like the last couple of times out have been hard working outings for him. And he's been carrying mm-hmm. a lot with uh, Giolito out for a little bit and Lynn out for the whole time. So he could probably use a, a couple of days off himself, uh, you know, with, uh, by baking some off days into the schedule. True. True. But he's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you're, if you're to showcase someone again, it's a national broadcast. Yeah. We know how the voting goes for the Scion. If Cease makes that Sunday night start, Jim, and he strikes out 10 and gives up two runs against the Yankees, he's going to plant that seed amongst voters of the American league. Scion that he should be someone considered for the award. I, I know it's early, but you, I'm already starting to see like MLB network on their shows ranking the top five pitchers of the American league Cy Young and cease is not in that top five, which I think is a little crazy. I think for sure right now he's in the top five, but having that opportunity in a national showcase game to display what he can do. Uh, I think he can impress a, an entire country watching him, especially at Yankee stadium facing that Yankees team. But you're, you are right though. If you can give him an extra day of rest and then he picks up the ball again, Tuesday night against the Boston Sox, then then you're in great shape. I mean, you got Cease and then Giolito going back to back. Yep. Either way, I think it's it's fine. But uh, just you know, watching Cease the last two times out, you know, another tough offense coming up to where like it could be a grind a little bit. It could be. It will be a grind, and yeah. uh, we'll be recapping the series between the White Sox and Yankees on the Monday Sox Machine podcast. Hopefully, the White Sox win at least one game. And again, they, they just tread water. That's the goal right now for the White Sox is just continue to tread water. Don't drown. Let's not see the Twins sweep the Royals this weekend and the White Sox get swept. And then on Monday, we're talking about the White Sox six games back of the Twins. Let's avoid that situation, White Sox, at all costs this weekend against the Yankees. Let's, uh, let's, let's watch the White Sox win at least one game and, uh, Let's go Royals. Uh, <laughs> help, help out the White Sox. Hey, the Reds helped out the White Sox this week, winning a couple of games from the Guardians. So 
that is great news in the White Sox, at least on that front. But that will do it for this episode of Sox Machine Live. Thank you guys so much that watched the live stream on youtube.com slash Sox Machine. Again, we'll have our upcoming live stream this Sunday night for Sunday night baseball between the Chicago White Sox and the New York Yankees. And again, Tuesday night, another watch party as the Boston Red Sox visit Chicago to face the White Sox to wrap up that season series. If you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast or Sox Machine Live, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Sox Machine. And if you don't have the opportunity to watch the live stream or you can't sit down in front of your computer and watch the hour-long show on our YouTube channel and you want to listen to the podcast feed, you can subscribe to the Sox Machine podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And whether you're new to Sox Machine or been a long-time lurker, think about helping support us at patreon.com slash Sox Machine, where our Patreon supporters, they get more. They get exclusive content. They get ad-free versions of the podcast and website. And when we have new Sox Machine swag, they get the first opportunity to acquire that swag. We have monthly plans starting at just $2 a month, and you can save with an annual subscription. Again, you can sign up at patreon.com slash Sox Machine. Sox Machine Live is a production of SoxMachine.com, your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.